there's all these debates on whether film is better or digital is better, and I think it's just different looks, and it's just what you prefer. It's personal preference. And for a lot of people, it, I think it's what they grew up with. Yeah, so, okay, so this is an interesting question. So, in case the audience hasn't figured out, we're talking about film photography today. Just another route we go down in our photography world. Um, and if you're born any time within the last 20 years, <laughs> go online and look up what film is. <laughs> Hey, man, I was born in the last... Oh, no, I wasn't. <gasps> the audience knows I'm over 20 now. Wow. Um, wow so there's that. I out a long time ago. Anyways, this is a, possibly a very interesting question. I had written this down here. So, Smart Every Day, a person on YouTube that we have been watching for many, many years, put out a video recently about film photography, and I was actually watching the video with my family. I watched it, like, as soon as it came out, but then we watched it again with the family. And um, my dad's reaction was that he he didn't he didn't like buy it, like he didn't see any reason why you want, would want to shoot film. And I thought it was interesting because, obviously, from his perspective, he grew up with film cameras. That was how mm-hmm. you took pictures. And I'm sure all he saw was the pain in the <laughs> development process, the, pain the and cost, suffering. yeah, the pain and suffering, and digital now you know it looks amazing you get crystal clear photos and they're huge files and everything's great you can take zillions on your smartphone right away and like no development process nothing so i thought that was interesting because i would guess that's the way it is for a lot of older people that grew up shooting that so i was wondering is that is that kind of the same for your parents at all hmm um, I don't know. My dad doesn't really do any photography anymore, and my mom has the DSLR. She said that she is now learning creative things to do with a digital camera. Because mm. I was saying, I was I was telling her that, you know, I've done everything I can think to do with a digital camera and taken photos of everything I can think to take photos of, and there's just, like, nothing left for me to do with it anymore <laughs> mm-hmm. other than, you know, go on trips and take photos of things I've you know never seen or photographed before but mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's still the same basic stuff taking photos of mountains is going to be the same no matter where you are making sure your exposure is correct is going to be the same making mm-hmm. sure your lighting and your colors and everything is correct and focus it's all going to be the same no matter where you are um so i was saying that the reason i want to get into film is because i want to put another creative restraint on myself mm. to inspire me to be creative again because you know when you get bored with something start putting uh restraints on yourself and that will make force you to be more creative with what you have and she said it's funny because she's just starting to go that starting the same thing with digital Hmm. because she didn't have a dslr until just a few years ago and has been doing i guess a little bit of photography ever since then i think she's maybe kicked it up a notch within the last year or two so um and then i was mentioning to my dad, you know, people's different arguments for why film or digital are better. And he said Mm -hmm. that he thinks it's just kind of what you grew up with and what you like, just like people say that the old tube radios sound better, but (laughs) you really can't tell much of a difference. I mean, I'm sure there's the subtlest difference there, but Mm -hmm. he, he thinks it's just what you grew up with liking. And so I wanted to say, I grew up shooting film as a kid I started taking photos when I was about eight. My uh, grandparents bought me a cheap, I guess, point-and-shoot film camera Okay. from Walmart. Um, 
it was an Argus brand, which is some generic brand that, you know, just made cheap cameras. I think it was $12 because I remember specifically going to Walmart and looking in the film section for which camera I wanted because mm-hmm. uh, I knew I knew roughly how much, uh, you know, I could afford in <laughs> Christmas money, so to speak. Um, and I found the one for $12 and it had a zoom lens on it or, yeah, zoom lens. And I was like, oh, that wow. is so cool. And it was uh, a manual wind, but other than that, it didn't have any controls. Oh, it had a fl- built-in flash as well. Oh, um, yeah. So I thought it was pretty cool. That's but, a, you know uh, that's a, that's a lot for twelve bucks. Yeah, um, my parents shot you know on nice SLR cameras for years, mm-hmm. and uh, in college did their some of their own developing, which we should hopefully get into a little bit later on in the episode. But what I been trying to say as you often say long story long hmm. um i shot film you know from when i was about eight until i started kind of getting taking it more seriously um when i was probably oh i would say i think it was the year that we went on our long vacation out west we came down to see you guys i think that was it 2011 and uh, i was shooting with my mom's old film camera which hmm. spoiler alerts comes into our episode today Ooh. Um, yeah, so I was shooting blind, <laughs> you know, I didn't, you, you can't see the photos, you just take them and hope they turn out good. And so my parents would just kind of tell me what settings would probably work best yeah, from so their years of experience. You didn't, you didn't have a DSLR or, or any, no. any manual photography experience, did you? Up until Not then? really. No. Um, I had kind of got the idea of how things worked, but I didn't have the experience base to, mm-hmm. to know what kind of exposure settings I needed because my point and shoot you just point and shoot it and hope that it turned out <laughs> right and for the most part it did mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> but there was no focus on that lens you just zoom in or zoom out and that was it yeah so anyway I grew up knowing the limitations of film and when I got a digital camera it was just like this whole new world so much more stuff I could do and I could take you know mm-hmm. thousands of photos and see mm-hmm. exactly what they looked like and readjust the shot and take them over and over until I got what I wanted. And so I kind of thought that film was just kind of a trash way to take photos because <laughs> okay. it's just so primitive. Sure. You know, you can't see yeah. what you're looking at. I do have a, or what you, what your photo looks like. I do have a little bit of nostalgia for that film look just because of growing up having a lot of our childhood photos taken with film cameras. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of nostalgia there, but otherwise, up until very recently, I just kind of looked at film as kind of just a very primitive way to take photos, and it's like, why would you even want to do that? Yeah. So I do like what Dustin was talking about, though, on Smarter Every Day, about how there's a lot more meaning to a photo that you've taken more time to compose and Mm -hmm. take the shot. Mm -hmm. I guess it it makes you slow down and appreciate that moment that you take Mm -hmm. that photo so you have more memories associated with it when you actually develop it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the whole process that goes into it. So um, that and then the, like I said, putting creative restraints on myself is now that that's the reason I want to get into film photography. So, yeah. So I do want to go back here and say um, the first photos I took on a camera were, were actually film photos. My family had a film point and shoot. I think it was like a Nikon. It was like this little silvery-looking compact thing, and it had like a lens mm-hmm. that popped out. But it was definitely film, and I distinctly remember taking photos with that camera. Um, it's about the time we met you guys, actually, um, and 
but then we got the DSLR, and it was a Canon. What was it? Is a Canon Rebel? And for people who maybe haven't listened to our photography episode, maybe mm-hmm. go back and listen to it. But just to mm-hmm. define a few terms that we are gonna throw around, uh, DSLR stands for Digital Single Lens Reflex. Today we're probably gonna be referring a lot to SLRs, which is just single lens reflex, um, which is of course the film version of a digital single lens reflex, um, which just means when you look through the eyepiece, you see exactly what the lens sees is basically what it is. Cause it's got a mirror in there that flicks up out of the way for when the exposure is taken. Anyway, I just wanted to define that for anybody who's not familiar with what DSLR means. Thank you. And also, um, basically you can think of a DSLR as a big camera that looks professional cause they're <laughs> by nature of their mechanism, they're bigger and they're, well, of course there's more ca- cameras coming out today, but, uh, yeah. So, they're not they're not like you're just point your camera click anyways yep. um so yeah so then um our first digital camera was a canon xsi canon rebel xsi mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. and um and that was like the so i had shot film before then but that was like kind of the first camera that i you know started taking a lot of pictures on and really loving photography and you know i if i had been using film i don't know if i would have ever gotten into it because with the digital camera you can see your photo on the back and like it's awesome and so i definitely you know from when i first got started and till now i've definitely gotten to the habit of shooting way more photos mostly because i i don't know if i guess just try to make sure i get lots of angles so i get something i'm happy with or just you know, I, I like to shoot wildlife sometimes and you just, you click away when you're seeing something good. And, um, in fact, my, I did create an Instagram a little while back and post some photos. I know, shocker. Um, post some of my nice photos on there just so I have like a, you know, when, when I tell people, yeah, I'm like, I'm a photographer. That's kind of what I do in my hobby. I can like show people like some of the photos I've taken that I'm proud of. And I actually named like my little with my little uh, Instagram handle, happy shutter clicks, because I just like click away on my shutter all the time. And that's one of the things that I'm actually kind of hoping... Should call f- it excessive clutter shutter clicks. <laughs> yeah, that too. That's one, I'll take that one. <laughs> that's one of the things I'm hoping film is going to actually um, change, because I take way too many photos, especially on my phone too. If I'm just like in a situation where I see something mildly interesting, I'll take like several photos of the same thing that I totally don't need to take multiple mm. photos of. So I think film. You know, there is something to be said for just the fun of capturing the image. Like you and I have talked before about how sometimes we, we would just film or take video of something just because it's fun to film it. Oh, yeah. But then we would never go back and actually watch it or look <laughs> at it again. Yeah. So I've I've gotten out of that habit with my phone. I mostly just use my phone for image or for uh, for data, data mm-hmm. tr- transfer to other people. Um, you know, if I need to take a picture and show them something. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I don't, I don't try to take photos to save them because it's just the... The phone cameras I have are so inferior because I just mm-hmm. buy cheap phones that uh, it's just not worth even trying to get good photos with it, so I don't. <coughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so anyways, so I suppose to talk more about film here, uh, for those who have never shot film before, 
It comes in a roll. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen that. Um, but it only has 24, I've seen commonly, 24 or 36 shots. And we're talking about 35 millimeter film. I know you can buy different sizes. Um, I've heard of large format, which I've never shot on, and also um, 16 millimeter. I don't know if that was for photography though, or if, was that, if that was just a uh, like, uh, movie movie film um but we're talking about 35 millimeter photography film today yes i uh we well we we each went and bought the same kind um yeah back in the day when i was a kid i remember we used to go to walmart and we get the uh you could get a single roll for like 92 cents or something like that what now to yeah no oh yeah that's insane And just to give you kind of a reference, our uh, that one trip I was telling you about in 2011, I was about 17 then. Okay. Um, okay. And then I was probably, I think, 18 or 19, probably 19 when I bought my first DSLR. Um, and then I went crazy from there. <laughs> <laughs> in a good way. Um, so, yeah, the film we got here, it's uh, Fujifilm. Now... Here's something we need to discuss. It's 400 speed film is what it's called. Mm. And then on the back, it says ISO guidelines. Now, I saw that too. Digital cameras are rated in ISO. That's the sensitivity of the sensor. Mm. Film used to be rated as ASA. And I don't know what ASA stands for, but that was the sensitivity of the film. And the higher ASA that you got, the more grainy the photo, but the more sensitive to light it was. Mm-hmm. So you could use it in low light situations, but mm-hmm. the 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 crystal, the silver crystals, had to be larger, and therefore you get a grainier photo. Mm-hmm. And this this packet of film says it's 400 speed film, and then it just goes um, film speed 400, and it shows what to use it for, and then it just says ISO guidelines. So now I'm wondering, is this equivalent to because? I had always, I had read somewhere that ISO and ASA are the same, same sensitivity between mm-hmm. film and digital, and it was that way so that it was easier for people to transition from film to digital. My dad's telling me that he used to shoot with like 25 ASA film, and that was like standard what he would use every day, and like 400 was like for really low light conditions, and you get super grainy photos. Um, and my mom was saying that she used to shoot 100. Uh, quite often. Okay. And our digital cameras only go down to 100. Yeah. And I can't even imagine what it would be like shooting it uh, at, at 25. And our, uh, you know, I think you and I generally keep our ISO right around uh, 1,000, 1,600, somewhere in there. Uh, For when? I'm sorry. Just standard okay, photos on a digital camera. Oh, I mean, I would it, say I'm, it totally depends, I'm, like... I would say if I'm like outdoors and stuff, it's definitely in like the low like two hundred. Oh really? Yeah. I usually get I, I usually put mine down around I think six or eight hundred when it's real bright out, but otherwise I'm usually around a thousand because that gives me more control or more options for as far as shutter and aperture. Hmm. Okay. But anyway, it, I mean that's still the sensitivity is quite different hmm. between ISO and ASA apparently. Well, um, so, which is completely different. So this is interesting because I did actually look this up bef- beforehand. Oh. Like, I was because I was. I, you had made a comment. I think I don't remember when. Maybe in an email to me um, about the difference between I, between ISO and ASA. I looked it up. 
apparently, you know, you can trust everything you read on the internet. Apparently, they're the same. That's that's because, where I read that they're the same. <laughs> because ASA was so ASA and ISO are just abbreviations for um, standard organizations. So ISO, I think, is International Standard Organization. ASA is like American Standard Association or something. Uh-huh. That sounds okay. right. And so they're just, which is weird because you think it means like image sensitivity or something, but they're just uh, organizations placing standards on stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so 400, and so it even says on here, which I thought was interesting that this film says, uh, or has the words ISO on it. Yeah. As opposed to ASA. But if you look at... When we get to looking at our cameras here in a little bit, um, you'll see it, it's got ASA written on it. Right. Because the First cameras speed. were made back then, so I guess this film is... Yeah. Well, I don't know. It says process before 2022, uh, mm-hmm. 10. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't say, like, when this was made, but it was obviously recent. Um, anyway, so in theory, I think they're the same, but... I would guess that they come across as different because they're just simply different formats. You know, the digital records it differently. In fact, here, one one other thing I read interesting um, online was that the grain you see on film, which are those um, little silver halide, halide? Right? Is that the yeah, word? I think it's halide. halide. Silver halide. Silver halide. You sound like you're just like a super expert when you refer to oh, them no. as silver halide <laughs> did, crystals. Did we did we throw in the disclaimer in this episode yet that we totally know what we're talking about here? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. So anyways, the grain on the film shows up more in the light areas of the photo, whereas the digital noise on a digital camera sensor shows up more in the dark areas of the photo. That was really huh. interesting. I didn't really ever think about that, but yeah, you're right. That that would be true. And it's worth mentioning, and I just to try to be a little bit better with our uh, <laughs> our segues here. Okay. I want to just throw this in, so we're not jumping all over the place. Um, so my parents used to develop film back when they were in college. Mm. Um, I don't know if my mother ever made prints. I think she just developed the film. Okay. But maybe she did. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. She never did color. She did black and white film, and she would oh, develop it okay. and make prints. My dad would make slides, and um, my mom did it at the, their, their film lab at college. My dad did it in his house. Um, and so slide film is actually a positive Okay. A color positive because I think all you have to do basically is you wash it in the chemical solution and it washes away, um, I guess, the silver halide crystals to leave behind your exposed areas. Mm-hmm. And so I think you still have to develop it to, you know, to stop the chemical process so it's not sensitive to light. But then you basically just chop up your film and stick it in little cardboard frames and then you put it in your slide projector. Interesting. That's As opposed to color negative film, or even, I guess, black and white negative, yeah. where you have to develop it and wash, you know, still you still got to wash away basic, the stuff that's... Basically stop the roll from exposing anymore. Well, yeah, you have to develop it for that, and then it, the chemicals wash away parts that are not, you know, where it mm-hmm. needs to be clear behind or needs to be white. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Except that these are negative, so it would wash away the opposite. <laughs> this is so right? trippy to think about. <laughs> None of us, neither of us have ever developed film, so we're just kind of working through this thought experiment right here on mics. But then you shine a light through it and expose an, uh, expose that image onto a large piece of paper, which I think is basically like film because it's accepting mm-hmm. that new image that's being projected on it. And then yeah. you have to treat that so it's no longer light sensitive. And then that's your, your color print. It's not actually printed on a like a digital inkjet printer. It's it's literally the, the it's light sensitive paper mm-hmm. that the image is being put and, onto. So anyway, all that to say is just that that's kind of the difference between color negative and color positive, mm-hmm. uh, in my understanding. Yeah, and what you said there about the that second part of the process where you basically project the the. Uh, project the film onto the the paper to make your print it's interesting that 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 even though film is making a comeback or uh you know still around today that process is basically gone forever because we can now just scan our film and then print Mm -hmm. it on a on an inkjet printer or laser printer or something so Mm -hmm. you know that process there's there's as far as i can see see and understand there's just there's no reason to ever bring that back because unless you know unless people notice differences between that and a printer what a printer can do but like the main the main difference comes from the actual film all right uh what were we talking about before i sidetracked us down this little tiny rabbit hole this is where i play our little transition music and go back to where we were (laughs) um so we were talking about we had our film out here so we each got the same thing um, so this was actually the only thing that my Walmart had. Granted, it was not one of those yeah. super center Walmarts, but it, uh, this was the only one that I saw. They had some of the, the positive, <laughs> um, they had stuff for like Polaroids and, um. Yeah, that'd be something I'd be really interested to learn more about too, because that, it just develops itself right there in front of your eyes. You don't even have to put it through a chemical process. Everything it needs is built right into the film. Yeah, that's that's really neat. Um, so it's it's the positive, it's positive film, but it also somehow develops it in camera, which is totally mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> it's also interesting. Um, back in the day, I used to work in a prison and a jail. After that, and we didn't allow Polaroid photos in if somebody was sending them in to the inmates. Mm-hmm. And I think it had something to do with the chemicals that were still inside of that. I don't know what sort of nefarious things they could do with them, but if we if we got photo, you know uh, Polaroid photos in, we had to reject them. Although I think in some cases they were allowed to trim off the edges and still keep the photo. So how weird! I don't know what that means, but uh, it'll be super interesting to look into that someday. Maybe we'll do an art a separate episode just on Polaroids. I'm gonna have to just get a Polaroid camera. I got a, I got an experience one. Yeah. Um, back to, to film, uh, I was saying that back in the day you could get a single roll for like 92 cents. Yeah, that's this, wild. This packet of three cost me 18 bucks plus tax. Ooh, same. Nowadays. Same. It's crazy. And it's like 14 to $25 per roll to get them developed. I know. I know. It's so expensive. Back in the day... Back in the day, I think that used to cost like four to six bucks to get your film developed at Walmart. It's so crazy. So, I mean, that that's just because there are so few people doing it now, right? 
Yeah, I would think so, yeah. And um, I, yeah, so. I was actually looking, too, in the hopes that that maybe like a CVS or Walgreens still did the film development, and they say they do on their site, but that um, they don't do the development in-house anymore. They ship it somewhere. Mm. So that's a bummer there. Um, well, I also, I thought, I just read briefly a little review, and it sounded like they develop it and then just put it on a disc and mail the disc to you. And so I don't know if you get your negatives back. I guess I would assume so, but I don't know that because, you know, if you want to make prints, you just use the JPEG file, I guess. Somebody was complaining that the one that they got back was some really poor quality JPEG images. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think they actually go through the, the printing process like they used to. I think it's just they put it on a disc and send it back to you. Hmm. There's um, the uh, company that Destin went and did a video with, and I think they email you a file if i remember correctly right and then they yes. mail the film back to you yes um and they it sounded like they did a way better job so at least this one person that was complaining said that walmart did a bad job yeah i think i've heard well so from my um conversations with my parents who did this a whole lot more than me um the that walmart's one hour photo was never good mm. which i guess was just a a quick job and so it didn't produce good results which is interesting like what does that mean they didn't produce good results like yeah i, <laughs> I don't know did they somehow rush through the development process did they not scan well or i don't know anyways yeah i don't know I'll, we were i uh, plan to send mine to indie film lab yeah i think uh, i think that's a good idea i think i might i'm gonna probably shoot my first role as just a test role mm. to kind of figure out exposures and stuff so maybe i'll sell that to walmart or somewhere cheap mm -hmm. and just see because i think even if my exposures are not great i'll still be able to tell what how good of a job they did yeah. uh, developing it and whatnot mm -hmm. um and then i'll uh probably send my more important stuff to indie film labs because after watching the video and seeing how excited those people are about film and developing film you know they care about their work they sure do. And what really got me was that one of the employees there uh, was allowing Dustin to film some of his photos that were being, you know, scanned um, just so he didn't have to blur them out. And he was just, you know, he was in another cubicle while this other person was scanning him hmm. through. And it's just like, if that was my film and I was having it developed, I would want to have my hands on every single step of that process to make sure it turned out good. But he just trusted his coworker to do it properly. Yeah, quick side note on that. Isn't it totally weird that other people see your photos? Like, every single film photo? I mean, yeah, it's yeah. fine, but, like, it's just weird, you know? And also yep. that they see them before you. But I, There's a, I like uh, that they do the uh, email, because that's, that's cool, because you get them basically as soon as they're ready. And then, of course, you get yeah. your back. There's a... Uh, the TV show Seinfeld did an episode. They're, they're, they take... Uh, comedic looks at uh, some common social problems and one of them was one of the episodes was about how the film people see your photos every one of your photos before you do and how they apparently at this place would put in like a little sticky note saying hey this might be worth getting a print of or something like that you know just trying to get you to come back and buy more photos basically mm -hmm. but that's what kind of spurred their their episode about how this person is looking at every single one of your photos <laughs> and so then one of the characters tried to start slipping little photos in for this uh uh girl that worked there that he kind of liked and it uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> ended up not being her that was reviewing the photos. <laughs> he ended up getting notes back from this other person, and it was it was, it was quite, a, quite a comedic episode. But anyway, um, something we should touch on quickly because it's interesting to me how it's it's a film photo, so you get that film grain and that film look, right? But they scan it in through a digital scanner so it's like it's digitized anyway so what's how is it well, different than just a regular digital photo it's like a digital photo of a film photo well yeah so <laughs> that it's funny so you know we have we had watched the video by smart every day about this and my dad's reaction when he saw that part that of them scanning digitally he was like hang on pause so let me get this right you just took a photo on film and you're now getting emailed a digital file. <laughs> uh-huh. It sounds so silly. It does. I've never but actually it's, like it's, sat it's about down. The, it's about the like the way it was captured. Like mm-hmm. it 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 looks different. And like this is again, I think, a totally subjective thing and excluding the, you know, you put more thought into taking the phone and whatever the your shooting mm-hmm. experience. They look different. And whether that's a good or a bad thing, I think it's just a, a a taste. It's like you could have one thing with different seasonings on it. It's just it's different. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've never sat down and actually compared them side by side. I just kind of always assumed digital's better and just uh, went completely away from uh, from film. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, my thing, like I said before, is just that I want this new creative. Yeah, restraint to put on myself to make myself a better photographer, I guess. So, I also I'll be interested I think we can, to see. I'll ahead. be interested to see what they look like, and if I if I end up liking film more or not. I also um, I think we can both agree that um, part of the reason we like the film cameras themselves is how purely mechanical they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just how cool it's like it's like older vehicles now the newer ones are just driving computers and like mm-hmm. same with these old cameras is that you know i have one here i haven't unboxed it yet i'm dying to but um it's aside from the light meter you know it's it's completely manual so yeah um and you and i each have some old film camera or some i should say new film cameras laying around from yeah. lenses you know we bought like you know, on <laughs> ebay you can oftentimes find a cheap lens that's you know somebody's selling the film camera with a lens and you know we'll just buy it for the lens and mm-hmm. have no intentions of using the film camera uh so i know i th- i think i have at least two maybe three laying around that i bought i think i maybe bought one as like it was two cameras with and one had a lens or something like that Mm -hmm. so those are electronic though and my dad was telling me that you could actually get completely uh, completely automatic film cameras that would use that would read the light and then make the adjustments automatically for you which is which i think that that, those that we have the ones that we have the newer Mm -hmm. um canon film ones that have the ef mount yeah I think those had. They probably are. Yeah, I almost want to try shooting with one of those this summer just to see how it compares to the manual. Yeah, but that might take away from the experience because the fun of it is setting up your own shot and lighting. So yeah. All right, so I've got my camera here. Um, May I unbox mine should... yet? <laughs> I was just gonna. I'm. I'm just doing a little intro here for it. Okay. So, uh, and a little backstory. So my mm-hmm. mother had a 
so she's she's getting into digital now she has no use for her film camera i doubt she'll ever even think of using it ever again in her life there you um, go. so it's it's perfect that we had like that perfect transition or that perfect crossover our uh role reversal so yeah. to speak where she's going digital and i'm going film um so i can use her film camera and it is a pentax k1000 it's made by Aussie A A or A S A H I and then it says Pentax below that. Um, mm-hmm. I think back in the day this was a pretty top notch camera. My mom said she bought this one back in 1986 from her roommate in college because her roommate was upgrading to a different camera. Okay. Uh, she said she thinks she got it for around a hundred dollars. Hmm. And okay. I just did a quick Google search and it says that the Pentax K1000 was made from 1976 to 1997 so this one was probably made in the 70s or 80s it's uh got a i guess aluminum body which is always nice to just have that extra sturdiness Mm -hmm. um and yeah it's it's just completely manual the only electronic part is that it has a, a light meter built in um so when you look through the eyepiece you can see the little indicator tell you if it's bright or dark but Mm -hmm. um i don't think my mother ever used that and i don't even know what kind of batteries it takes it's a little like coin type battery but it's a smaller one so your mother really never used it i don't think so no because i mean uh, (laughs) i think she just never bought batteries for it um, How do you... I think the thing is just after a while you get to know what kind of exposures you need and you just like you and I rarely use our uh, light meters on our digital cameras or at least I rarely do I mean I use mine as a guide um, yeah. I feel I actually find that oftentimes I can be deceived in mm-hmm. in the, like even if I think I know the lighting and then I'm like whoa that's not what I thought I tell you on the digital cameras it's funny that i'm now making a a distinction when i'm talking about my digital camera um anyways i used the histogram more after i I learned to use that and i loved it and so i i use that way more than the than the light meter um because i i find i can get so much more out of it but that's certainly not a thing on on a film camera so yeah so it'll be interesting all right, so one other thing quick before you uh, unbox yours. Cause, so the reason Christopher and I ended up uh, going with the same camera, so rather than just using the automatic ones we have around, we wanted to go with some nice old classic mechanical cameras. Mm-hmm. So Christopher got the same brand and model that I did, so that way we can help each other out with troubleshooting and yep. any, any issues we may encounter. So it's good to just have that redundancy there. And Plus, if one of us buys an accessory and doesn't like it, like you uh, often do, uh, then the other can potentially buy it and still use it. <laughs> <laughs> um so they're you know stuff's interchangeable or if we're here together shooting something and one of us wants to borrow someone else's gear it'll work mm-hmm. um <clears throat> so uh something that you and i always talk about with the higher end cameras like dslrs or film cameras is just that that spectacular sound of the the, the lens or Ooh. i'm sorry not the lens the shutter yeah that real good shutter sound as opposed to the fake shutter sounds you get with digital cameras <laughs> or just cheap cameras. Yeah. Yeah. So this camera has got one of the most satisfying shutter sounds that I have ever oh. experienced. So I just want to give the audience a little taste of that real quick with my nice microphone here. So first of all, here's the, uh, the, uh, advancement letter lever for advancing the film. Okay. 
it's very quiet but it's just okay. got a nice little mechanical sound and then you got this just beautiful shutter sound it's just, oh. it's just so simple and oh, so satisfying yeah. here oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing i'll uh i'll do it one more time with the lens off so maybe you can hear it a little bit more clearly yeah yeah so probably use that uh use that sound effect liberally <laughs> throughout this episode <laughs> for <laughs> intros outros or uh transitions or whatever you need to do so just uh, you just everywhere. got your camera mm -hmm. so why don't you go ahead and we'll do a live unboxing right here on the episode i feel like i always think unboxing videos are like one of the dumbest things because why would i care to see somebody else <laughs> unbox their thing but I think it's kind of cool to listen to, or, or I, I'm interested in seeing you unbox your new camera. And so it'll be interesting to talk about your first impressions when you see it. I feel like I'm a kid on Christmas morning right now. Oh uh, yeah. So, so is this more or less exciting than when you bought your first DSLR? Uh, I don't know. Buying my first DSLR was pretty special. I, I, yeah, I don't, yeah, th I don't think, too. I mean, it was like my first um, camera. Like my, yeah. I think you need to tilt your your camera up just a little bit so I can see your face too as you're reacting to this stuff. It's too bad. I don't know. There we go. It's too bad we don't have a video for the uh, the viewers or the listeners to watch. Yeah, I know. I want to take you on this journey with me. It's so exciting. So yeah. So this not is... that anybody is listening or cares at all about our lives or our our, <laughs> our film cameras, but I like listening back to our episodes and remembering the fun stuff we talked about. And someday when we're old when digital has gone by the wayside and our kids are like hey dad i heard you used to shoot digital i've been shooting down this other thing forever can i see your digital camera we can be like go listen to this episode where we talk about film cameras it'll be interesting when digital cameras go out of phase <laughs> phase out well i think it's interesting yeah i mean i think it's interesting just with the advent of cell phone cameras that people call this their camera mm -hmm. you know they that's <laughs> That they don't use real cameras anymore and yeah. they're good you know phone cameras the new mm -hmm. ones I, my, my phone is definitely not a new one but the new ones they look incredible you don't get oh, yeah. you don't get the the interchangeable lenses though which is my my number one um mm -hmm. you know complaint i guess what do you expect from a phone but like that you definitely miss that and so yeah this film camera is an interchangeable lens camera at some point, phone cameras will probably be so good that everything will just be 100% in focus, and so you can just go through and do your creative uh, blurring and your bokeh after the fact, and you won't even need any lens because you can just, you know, the the uh, the quality will be so high at some point that you can just crop your images to whatever you need, so you don't even need a <laughs> a telephoto lens. That's my my thoughts on how it's going to work. So I see you got a nice black case with yours. Mine does not it have came that. With a leather case here. It says Korea. Oh, my dad's camera has one like that. And actually, we were looking at that earlier today because I stopped by my parents' place to talk about film cameras. And ooh, it looks nice. Wow. Um, his actually has a problem with the shutter because the shutter is fabric. Um, it snaps across. And then the next, the second half snaps back behind it, and then it, as you advance it, it drags back and resets. But for some reason, his when it resets, it has a little slit of light between the ribbons, okay. and so it'll leave a streak of light on your uh, on your film when you're advancing it. So you have to always put the cap back over the lens before you advance it. 
How interesting. Okay, so this is actually super interesting. I'm, I have the camera mostly out, but I'm going to take a quick pause from that because of what you were saying there. So I actually wrote this down in my notes I wanted to talk to you about how incredible it is the, the, the number of components in the entire process from start to finish, from a camera to um, your finished image when shooting film, how many steps need to be done in the complete darkness. Not even the <laughs> development process, the film, mm. the film roll has to be mm -hmm. light sealed. Like, film has to be able to come in and out, but still be light sealed within the canister. Mm. And it had to be made cheap back in the day. I mean, it's more expensive now, but it had to be done cheaply somehow. Cameras, even your $12 camera you told us about earlier, had to be light mm -hmm. sealed on the inside. Every camera mm -hmm. had to be light sealed. And that's just crazy to me that, you know, I just think about that as being kind of a, quite a challenge, you know, to light yeah. seal everything. Working night shift, I have the windows in my bedroom sealed up so that the light doesn't get in so I can sleep in darkness, but it still gets in around the cracks. There's mm -hmm. still, it's so difficult to seal out light. And, and, and you know, so you mentioned uh, putting on the cap before every, uh, yeah. um, what do you call it, when you move the film, <laughs> advance the film. I guess ad advancing it, yeah. yeah. Um, my parents were trying to think back to their old film camera usage, and one of them mentioned uh, putting on, uh, I think, putting on the cap before advancing. So maybe that was just a, a, a problem, and so that yeah. was just a way to solve it. And... Um, you know, of course, they, they couldn't remember too well, so um, I'm just... Another interesting assuming. thing on shutters is that these are global shutters as opposed to rolling shutters that our digital SLRs have. Oh, how interesting. And I don't know why they would use one over the other. I'm sure that it's uh, a space thing. Well, uh, so... Space is figured, or configured. Because you got here, you know, in the... Uh, <clears throat> The SLR, film SLR, it's all manual, so it's got to be springs that move the uh, shutter. Whereas in a digital camera, um, I think it's a motor, isn't it? Um, or at least for sure a motor charges the spring before the photo is taken. I, I'm not entirely sure. Sorry, I got a little bit distracted here taking this, taking this little leather case off my camera. Um, the really interesting thing is that um, I'm looking at this top dial here. Wow, this is nice. Um, the fastest shutter speed on this is one, th well, one one thousandth. And yeah. on a, let's see, I have a 70 over here, um, which I'll, let me flip this on right now. One eight yeah, thousandth. That's yep. on a, on yep. a DSLR. <laughs> That's which, what I've got as well. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> That's really fast, and is that and is that just the, for a com yeah? Go ahead. Comparison with the shutters here. I just was listening to my di my digital SLR. Um, it you can hear the motor move. Okay. Sort of a little bit. So yeah. I'm still not sure if it moves before or after the shutter, but it's it's, it's different. It's different than <laughs> your film camera. So my goodness, this is amazing. This feels this feels solid. Like yeah, you know. It's funny. So the expression, like when you think about like older people saying they don't make stuff like they used to, like mm -hmm. it's so true though about oh, so many is. things. Like I'm I'm holding this camera and it just mm -hmm. it feels incredibly solid. The lens here is just oh, oh man, turn that 
Turn yeah, that the focus, focus ring. is just silky smooth oh, and it's, it's so incredible. solid. It doesn't have that plasticky feel to it. Yeah, and it's just it's really it's so true. Um, it's got a nice solid stop at each end as well. Yeah, I would say it's not kind of a plasticky stop. But yeah, that's why I like to go to old like thrift stores and antique-ish stores and buy old tools to use because they're just built differently. Yes, I totally agree. Um, I am itching though to go over this more in depth. So if you wanna tell me all the things you know that would be yeah. awesome because uh like i said i just sat down with my parents and went over a bunch of the features and stuff the other day so they're fresh in my mind and hopefully this will help me remember them so obviously you have your shutter button and then in the middle there's a hole where you would screw in the shutter release right and it's, and it's actually a cable like this it's got a little plunger it's almost like a bike cable you know what that's how i described it to my mom earlier today nice and then you, you push on the plunger, and then it pushes down in the center part of the shutter. And it's mostly just for uh, to prevent vibrations if you've got a little longer exposure. And then you can also lock it down in place as well for a long exposure. So we already talked about the, uh, the counter window above the advancing uh, lever here. Mm-hmm. That just shows you what frame you're on. And if you every time you open the door, it resets it to zero. Which is cool. Actually... It, it actually sets it to like two or three, two, two frames before zero, because that'll account for your approximately two frames oh, that got exposed what? to the light when you loaded your camera. I know. Well, those are those real frames. I assume. I think they are, because I think you can actually load a camera in a dark room and actually use those two frames if you wanted to. Wow, I assume it's that just was not very excess. practical. I think it's still light sensitive. Huh. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, so the entire strip is light sensitive? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I assumed that there were just printed rectangles that were had the. No, that's the other thing is I don't think that they're I don't think they are printed rectangles because you'd have to make sure to get them perfectly lined up. Right. You might be a few clicks off either way. Uh, yeah. Uh, every time you load it, and so you might end up in the middle of a frame if they were printed rectangles. Wow, that's so interesting. <gasps> mm-hmm. Because I used to wonder about that too, but you you know you'd get that unexposed section in the middle, which then washes away when it's developed and gives you that space between. Man, I, I want to load my camera in the dark. I can't let those two frames go to waste. I was I working know. out the cost per shot earlier today because I wanted to, I wanted to know how much this would cost to like operate. So for mm-hmm. my the, for the film I got, it's seventeen cents per um, per f- exposure, I guess. Um, and that's not including development. Yeah, I was gonna say plus plus the, development. Um, th- well, the thing is, like, depending on the film you buy, so you could buy more expensive film, but the development would still be the same. So it's kind of an interesting cost thing you have to work out there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> so yeah, well, it's seventeen or eighteen cents a frame for the film, and then yeah, another t- like twenty-five bucks for. Per roll. Per well, I twenty five bucks. I'm pretty sure I saw nineteen when I did it on Indie Film Lab, but I know well, there were some settings through, you could change. Yeah, I went through and did some some of the ideal settings that I would have had, and I think I came up with twenty five bucks. So much, <laughs> just for some <laughs> pictures. But so you got your little counter window starts two frames before. Mm-hmm. Um, now when we watch that video, you can see they put the clip right on the end. And so they put it on the 
I think they'd snip that tail off and then clip it on. So I think they're assuming that you've wasted those two. Well, so, wait a second. If it starts uh, two frames before zero, the film accounts for that. Does the film give you two extra frames? I would think it, I think it has 30. Oh, so if it's 36, no, would question. it be 38? And they just mark it off as not I think usable? So. <gasps> I think so. We just found a way to hack That's... the system and get a better price per picture. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i was thinking is that they just they just give you those two frames assuming that they're unusable because otherwise people who don't understand how cameras work would say oh i only got uh 34 frames that makes perfect sense <clears throat> yeah so but who knows maybe people don't actually count how many shots they got and they're just counting on you not counting <laughs> okay. we'll have to try it we'll tune in <laughs> tune in a couple months from now and we'll uh, give you an update let's see how many double exposures um, we got we yeah, well, that's another interesting thing too. Is you can, you can double expose an image. You know, if you just cover your lens with a, you know, lens cap, and then you can move it and then re-expose it to something else. So if you get a dark shot, you know, something in the shot, and then you move it and you like get stars in the background or something like that, Ooh. you could Ooh. potentially get two images. Um, my, I think my dad's had issues in the past where for some reason it didn't advance the film. Okay when he turned the advanced lever so it just took another picture over the top of the, the same one and so he ended up with a double exposure i think there was like an, <laughs> an entire role where that there was quite a few problems with that so something you can do for um artistic flair yes um, I'm also excited to go out and try doing long exposures of the stars because, you know, probably you end up with, with digital cameras that set the sensor heats up and you end up getting noise in your photo. But here, it just stands open and collects light. But I wonder if there's a bunch of background light that it might also pick up that might make it lighter than you'd expect. Hmm. But that was one of the things when I was a kid, I really wanted to get a film camera that I could hold the shutter open because I really wanted to get star trail photos. Hmm. And uh, it wasn't until I got a digital that I was able to do that. That's a really interesting point though, that you make about how digital cameras, when you're doing the long exposures, the sensors heat up and your images will get noisy. So mm -hmm. I, I guess I've never thought about this. So, does is when you do a long exposure let's just say you're at some like high iso because it's like night so you're at like um 6400 okay mm -hmm. and you you set the the shutter open for one minute and then you do you change some settings and you do another correctly exposed image but with it's been open for 10 minutes are the only differences going to be the effects of the sensor heating up or will it actually be noisier at all like, aside from the sensor heating up. Um, I don't know. If you kept the sensor cool, you mean? Would it be uh, less noisy? Like the original, the shorter photo? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, so the noise... The noise is, like, predefined, right? So, like, no matter how long your exposure is at that ISO, it would always be the same amount of noise. Hmm. Um, just to define for anybody that's listening, uh, we don't mean, like, audible noise. <laughs> we mean basically grain, but... The, right. the graininess, but but what you get with digital instead of film. <coughs> oh, you know what? I think you're always going to get a certain base level, but the longer you hold it open, you're going to get even more noise. Yeah, with the digital, which is something and I, I guess think, you wouldn't get with the film. But I think if you use super high ISO and, you know, in bright light, I think you would get lower noise than if you use that same ISO in low light. 
with the same exposure time, I would think. With the with the digital? Yeah. yeah. Um, but then film, I think you probably just get the same amount of grain either way. Although you were saying they, it comes out in the hot spots, the, the highlights. Most visible. Which I never paid attention to. But that's yeah. what I've read. <laughs> I've not actually shot I, I n- <laughs> never paid attention to it, but uh, I suppose the brighter your image is, the more noise you're going to get. But I don't think it matters well, I, length of time that the shutter is open. Are you? Yeah, well, I don't think for film, the brighter the image, the more noise you would get. Unless you're saying that about digital, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. I also read. Um, I was I was just looking some stuff up earlier, and I read that with the film, uh, there are some films. Uh, it, it can vary, like the different brands and and uh, within each brand, the different kinds you can buy, and even within the speed of the film, some films are forgiving in that. You can over or underexpose by several stops and still get a usable image. So, mm. I think you had been talking about like your your parents would shoot film without they didn't have the battery, so they would shoot without the meter. So, if film is pretty forgiving, then that would make total sense that you don't have to be spot on to get the right exposure. Well, actually, that's something we should talk about because. I think my mom said she didn't really use the meter. My dad was trying to find his meter because he didn't have one built into the camera. Mm -hmm. Or at least he didn't use one that was built into the camera. So he had a little handheld one, and he was saying that you could type in your... or Not not type in, but dial in, like literally dial in uh, your... Basically just the ASA of the the film, and then you could... um, I think also control what your shutter speed was on the thing and then it would tell you um, what sort of aperture you needed or you could go the other way and tell you wanted this aperture and then it would tell you what shutter speed you needed or you could leave it... Well, I don't know if you could leave it blank and it would tell you a range of both or what. He unfortunately couldn't find it to show me, but yeah, the light meter would tell you what settings to use based on you know pointing it at whatever your scene was. Yeah. I want to get one of those little handheld so, meters. I think that'd be kind of cool. I want to get one of the analog yeah, ones would... that don't need any battery. Is there such a thing? Oh, yeah. I don't think there is. Yeah, they use... Um, really? Yeah, they use uh, some kind of uh, like a photon, photon component that uh, basically it takes the light in and outputs that as a voltage. And it hmm. will swing the bar on the meter, depending on how much voltage it receives from the light. Nice. I think. Um, I think my dad was also. My dad was also talking about um, cameras that, um, I guess, were more automatic. Like you could use the built-in light meter and adjust. You know, it's it pretty much like the different priority settings mm-hmm. on your digital camera, where you control control if it was shutter priority or aperture priority or whatever, mm-hmm. and then it would automatically adjust the other because obviously it can't adjust the ISO or ASA like a digital camera can, so it would just adjust. If you adjusted shutter speed, it would automatically adjust your aperture or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, I, I kind of want to grab one of my fancier new automatic film cameras and just take a look at that real quick. But why don't we hold that off and finish going over the features of the... Uh, yes. 
the Pentax K1000. Let's hurry up with that before we go down any more rabbit holes here. Yeah. So I remember my cheap old point-and-shoot uh, film camera actually had a little window in the back door so you could that would it would go right up against the film canister inside so that you could read what uh what speed it was okay in case you forgot what you put in because mm -hmm. my dad talked about uh you know you could load your your film and then weeks later you, could, you know maybe didn't remember what speed you had put in there and so you'd have to open up the back and look at it and wreck all those frames that were exposed <laughs> and so what you do what so what well, you would do is just either write it down or save you know, I think they used to like tear off a little piece of the box that said the speed and they just keep it in the camera case so they knew what was currently in it. Yeah. But you can also use, so you got your shutter uh, speed knob here right next to the advancing wheel. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you can see there's a little number displayed in that little window. Yes. So that's going to be just a marker to let you know what your film speed is, but you got to set it whenever you load your film in. So you lift up on that outer ring of the... Uh, uh, advance or of the shutter speed wheel, okay, and then that'll yep. let you turn it and show and you can change what number appears in the window so that you can remember what your film speed is. Whoa, it goes down to 20, 20, 32, yeah. 64, 100. Yeah, I thought that was crazy because I, I don't think well, our digital cameras don't go below 100. 100. Yeah. For sure, um, but yeah, my dad was saying that he used to shoot like twenty five with uh, with slides. Must be really um, bright out. <laughs> yeah, and so this goes up to thirty two hundred, and what did you say down to twenty? Uh, yeah, mine goes. Yeah, down, down to 20. twenty. Well, you know, and you know what, the the darker film would make sense though, if if like I'm looking at my shutter and I can only go up to one one thousandth. The DSLR over here I have can go up to one eight thousandth. So hmm. if you can't go yeah, if, yeah. if you can't go faster with a shutter to get a darker exposure, maybe you have to go faster with the or slower with the film. Well, you would need faster film then. Is it? Because basically, all we're I saying right now is that the numbers are offset from what ASA and ISO. I think is what it seems to indicate. I thought, so I think a film is being faster if it is if it lets in uh, or if it's brighter. Yeah, I think if it's more light sensitive, you'd call that faster. Yes. It's just what if it's a higher number, it's faster film. So, yeah, so if it's, you need slower film to get darker exposure, just like you would get with the faster shutter speed on the digital. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, carry um, on. But yeah, so I've never heard of... Uh, I've never even heard of 3200... ASA film, but I suppose it exists since it's an option. Um, so I guess moving right to left, we'll talk next about the hot shoe on top mm -hmm. for your external flash. So the flash is not powered from the camera because the camera's got no batteries. Um, presumably it sends some sort of electric pulse to the flash to let it know when to go off. Yeah. So I don't know if you have to have that little coin battery in the bottom not or not, or if it's some, some like sort of piezoelectric thing where it can still send a little electric pulse, sort of like a, a grill lighter. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a way to get around it, but I don't know. I haven't tried out either way. Um, I do have an external flash because this doesn't have a built-in flash like our DSLRs do. Um, <clears throat> and that's powered by some AAA batteries. Now, if you look down on the front of the camera... There's a little port that you can plug into, 
and that's actually for synchronizing the flash as well. Okay, well, and I think you lost me. There's a port? Where's the port? Look at the front of the camera. Yeah, I, have, I can see. Yep. Okay, mine's covered. It's got a little cap on there. Okay. Oh, mine does not. The whole the whole grip on that side came off on mine. There's what mine Ooh. looks like. Okay. It's no problem. It doesn't affect anything. I may hit it with a little bit of spray paint or something to color in the black because it looks a little funny the way it is. But apparently that's also so you could plug in a flash. Um, and if you look at your um, your eyepiece, you'll see that there's a slot on each side of it. And you could actually get a flash mount that slides into those two slots. And then so to synchronize, you would plug it in then to that port on the front rather than using the hot shoe. Okay, interesting. Now, huh. something my parents were trying to explain to me, which I, I didn't quite understand because I, I guess I haven't used it, but they were trying to say, so if you look at your, your shutter speed here, you see the 60 has an X next to it? Yes, I do. And the hot shoe has an X on it. Oh, flash sync speed. And, um, well, so apparently your, your flash will be in sync correctly, when it's at 60 fps or not fps but uh <laughs> a 60th of a second right okay yep makes sense and they're saying if it's if it's one way or the another another from that your flash could be timed incorrectly which i've never even thought about with uh digital but i suppose the digital just somehow automatically uh accounts for that i'm pretty sure so it's, it's only slower so like you, you can't go faster but anything slower than 160th uh, would work on the digital on my like if I have my 70 right here I'm pretty sure the maximum is one two fiftieth I'm pretty sure but yeah I think the thing is I think the idea is if it's too fast your flash could only go off and only be exposed for like half of the frame or something like that like your shutter might be over half of the half of the frame when it goes off so I think that's kind of the idea of what they were getting at so moving left again from the hot shoe you got your little lever that flips out for rewinding your film on that knob and then of course like we discussed earlier that button pulls up and then you can open the back door have you ever loaded film i don't think i have so your film canister would go on the left side there in that open space and then you would push that button back down and you can see there's two prongs that stick down that would go into the film canister at uh, the top okay yep yep i see that and that was the part that they removed in the Dustin's video with Indie Film Labs, there's that little pointy bit that sticks out the top um, that the prongs go in there for rewinding your film. Okay. I almost want to get out a roll of film and, then, and like look at it. Yeah, I wish we just had some junk rolls we could pull apart to look yeah, at. Yeah, well, even my um, my good film, I'll look at the outside here. If you move slightly to the right, you'll see you've got the, uh, the curtain mm -hmm. for the shutter. Yep. And then there's like these silver bars. It almost looks like it's like they're precision ground to hold the uh, the film flat. And it's kind of crazy to me that the film slides across those metal pieces like that. And then there's this metal pad on the back that's spring-loaded that presses the film against it to keep it flat while oh, the photo's being taken. so interesting. It's, just, it's crazy to me that you have to hold this thin sheet of plastic in place while you take a photo. It just seems so imprecise. Like, what if it's a little wrinkle or something? But I guess this holds it tight enough. The, real quick, and then, be, before you go on from that, so I think we had talked about previously, I think on our episode about astrophotography, that digital SLR that I modified, I had an issue with getting the sensor 
flat again after I take mm-hmm. it apart. So it's interesting that I didn't think you have to do the same thing on the film camera here. This th- those silver rails you mentioned, and then the spring-loaded mm-hmm. portion on the back does just that, keeping it all perfectly flat with the the lens focal plane, I guess. So that's that's interesting. Yeah, and something interesting too to note that is not on this camera, but if you look at your DSLR mm-hmm. um, or my dad's film camera, you can see there's a little a circle uh, near the back of the body. So you can see up at the top, there's a circle with a line through it, and that indicates uh, right where the the plane of the sensor is or the plane of the film. Okay, yeah. So technically you can mount your camera and measure from that point. Like, I don't know, I don't know what you would need it for, but maybe if you were building a telescope or something like that, mm. you could measure from that point and see exactly how far away the thing is from the sensor. Yeah. So these film, these film cameras don't have it, but my dad's film camera had it. But I still haven't figured out what practical application there is for that. But there it is. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and then, of course, so to the right of the, uh, the little shutter window, you see that little wheel with the... Uh, the teeth on the top and bottom, mm-hmm. and that's just your counter. So the film goes over that, and the the teeth click into the holes on the edge of the film, mm-hmm. and turn. Yep. And I think that also kind of acts as a lock. Well, actually, I think it's partially for advancing and partially for locking it in place. Because when you push the little silver button on the bottom, that releases that wheel, so it can f- spin freely. Mm-hmm. For rewinding purposes. Yep. But then you can see the uh, the take up spool and that um, little toothed wheel are locked together. I think they're you know, geared together. Um, and you can see that wheel, the take up wheel to the right of it's got slots in it all the way around. Yep. And uh, that's where you'd stick the tail of your film to start your roll. Okay. So I think that's about all that I know about the inside. I'm certainly no expert. I'm just telling you what I know about it. Um, on the bottom of the camera, all you got really is that battery port. You got your tripod mount, which is a quarter 20 screw, by the way, one of my favorite sizes, um, just because they're used in photography. And then of course your release wheel. Um, on the front of the camera, you've got that, uh, flash sync port that I was telling you about. And then, you know, to the left of the lens is that lens release. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess take off your lens and just take a look at the inside and you can see like mine you you know the thing was talking about the uh the foam pads getting gooey yes and mine actually has you can see right at the front uh where the when the mirror goes up mm-hmm. it would touch almost touch the prism at the top and there's actually a little felt pad at the front and mine actually is sticky and has kind of worn away. So I wondered about if I'd want to glue some um, some felt into there or something just to make it uh, a little more light resistant, but we'll see if there's problems or not. Yeah. It also amazes me that the the two mating surfaces where the, the lens connects to the body, it's just crazy that that's made tight enough that light can't get through and it's not a problem. Oh, yeah. Because everything else inside is, you know, covered with black fabric and it's painted black and it's just designed to kill light as quickly as possible uh if you look just to the left of the mirror you'll see a tiny little lever that sticks out oh i do see that so if you look at your lens Mm -hmm. 
it'll have a, a corresponding lever. Okay. And yep. what that does is it uh, it actually closes your aperture when the shot is taken. So it actually leaves your aperture open for viewfinding purposes to let as much light in as possible. <laughs> and then it snaps it shut as you take the photo or it allows it to snap shut as however far you've set it. That is so cool. See, I, kn I knew about that on my DSLR, but I didn't know that they mm -hmm. had that on film cameras as well. That's so cool. Yeah, so my dad's camera has an option where you can switch back and forth and allow it to let the uh, the iris close so you can see your depth of field and see what the camera sees as far as lighting. Yeah. Um, on this camera, it doesn't allow you to do that. It's just automatically open for viewfinding, and then it lets it snap shut to the appropriate size as the photo was taken and then reopens it. So I think that's a little bit annoying, but so such is life. Yeah, so um, I'm going to I want to do an experiment right now. I want to watch. I want to watch those aperture blades close. So I'm going to set my I'm going to set my lens here to the lowest or uh, excuse me the the darkest it can go here. So that's f22, mm -hmm. and I'm going to sh set my shutter speed to like. Do like one thirtieth here, so it's nice and slow. And I'm gonna look down the lens here, so I definitely see uh -huh. that it is open. I'm gonna press the shutter. Wow, that is so cool! It closes, and you can see that on your you can see that on your DSLR as well. Just looking through, it'll pick up the light through the uh, um, through the the viewing piece, the eyepiece. Yeah. Wow, it is amazing how fast that is. All right, um, so we already talked about how there's a ring on here for adjusting your aperture. Mm -hmm. um, to explain to people who maybe don't know what aperture is, there's uh, an iris inside the lens that opens or closes to let more or less light in, which changes your depth of field, which is basically what's in focus or how much of your shot is in focus at a time. Um, we won't go super in-depth on that, but uh, you can actually manually change it on the lens here as, as opposed to... Uh, doing it with the electronic controls on a digital camera. So I really like having that extra ability to move that. Yeah. And then you've got your focus ring here, which is so smooth on these old oh, lenses. Oh, yeah. And, it is a uh, treat. <clears throat> you can see. So on our, our digital camera lenses, it just shows you how many millimeters you're at, what your focal length is. But on this old camera, you can see it's got our old lens. You can see it's marked in meters and feet. And that's basically what will be in, in focus. So if you set it to like two meters, so that's roughly six feet. Um, can you show me your lens so I can see what uh, kind you have? So mine is the, uh, it's the S High Optical Co. SMC Pentax M. One two fifty millimeter. So it's a fifty f one, or excuse me, a fifty f two lens. And, uh, and can you show me what the uh, the numbers look like? Yeah. Okay, so you can see there's that little middle ring. So that uh, that orange diamond is going to be the uh, the reference point. Okay. Yep. Where you, you know where you set all your numbers to, but then you can see that there are numbers that count up both directions from the center. Yes, I do. And so I couldn't figure out what that was for. My dad explained if you so it corresponds to f stops, but it's both sides. Oh. And so <gasps> say you have it. Okay. So you okay? Well, tell me what you think it might be for. Okay, so it tells you, um, and when your f-stop is higher, it's going to give you the range at which your 
your uh, image is going to be in focus in. Yes. Dude, that's so, so cool. yeah, if you set it to if you set it to f11, for example, then you can take the 11 on each side of that diamond, and you can see whatever distance your focus is set to, whatever your focus ring is set to, everything between those two 11s basically should all be in focus. That that is and one of the why... coolest things ever. I know. I don't know why they don't put that on the the nicer modern day lenses. Um, I think it'd be pretty helpful. Man, um, that that is that is amazing. I'm so happy you yeah. you brought that to my attention because I I kind of saw those numbers but just kind of didn't think about them. But wow, that is really neat. I would probably never use them practically. Maybe in a very yeah. staged uh, setting, but very neat. Well. It's nice to have that reference because obviously you can't look at your photo to right. see if you got stuff in focus. So it gives you a good idea of what all will be in focus. Because sometimes looking through the eyepiece, it can be deceptive. Which is what's actually in focus. Yeah, which is an kind of an interesting um, thing to note about these cameras is, given that they are completely mechanical except for the light meter, the lenses are also manual focus only. Mm -hmm. So. That, that's something that's going to be definitely new for me. I mean, I always rely on autofocus. It does a way better job than I could ever do manually focusing. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, that's that's something. Just getting used to focusing based on the viewfinder, you know, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think these these old cameras, I think it's... I don't know. I think it's easier to get a nice, precise focus than it is with the, the newer, cheap lenses. Well, so you you just mean like the smooth smoothness of the lens, right? Yeah, and I think it's... I don't know. It just seems to me to be easier to see. Just somehow based on how the prism is built or something, it's easier to see exactly oh, when it's in focus. I think so. Do you... you um, what cameras do you have again? Your digital ones? You have... A 70 and a uh, 60 I have the 60D. Yeah, the 60D, and then I think it's a 70, right? So I think, yeah. So I think that's because the film camera is the 35mm full-frame viewfinder, yeah. and so the mirror is bigger than, I think, your 7D, which, let me look mm -hmm. at this, if you can just compare them visually. So I think they just, because they let more light in, it's easier to see through the viewfinder to focus. That would be my guess. Hmm. That could be. I thought it just had something to do with how well it's designed and how clear it is. Hmm. You know, you can see the details really well in the film camera. Um, yeah, I think that's all I've got to relay on the features of the camera. Okay. Um, do you want to quick grab whatever uh, film or whatever modern day film camera you have and we can just look at those real quick and compare the features modern day film camera you mean a digital yeah. camera like the ones the one no no the film oh. cameras that you bought lenses you know you bought you you bought the lens and yeah. then you got the body with it yeah never planned on using it i'm gonna grab the ones i have and we can just quickly look at them and see what features they have okay it's upstairs all right play transition all music right. we'll be right back And we're back. So I have two 
I actually realized I have three different bodies for film cameras that I've bought bought with lenses. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we mentioned earlier in the episode, but we found out you can go on eBay and buy film cameras that have the same lens mount as our digital cameras, but people are selling them for two, you know, super cheap Mm -hmm. uh, with lenses. So you can actually sometimes buy a cheaper cheaper lens than if you were to just buy the lens itself because people are just like, oh, it's on a film camera. It's not worth anything. (laughs) So uh, do you just have one body? I just have one. I know I used to have more, but I I think maybe I just got rid of them because they were so of utter, utterly no value to me. Um, But I did just keep one just to keep it. It is. So I have a total of three bodies, and two of them are the same. Okay. So, uh, what model you have there? I have the Canon Rebel Two Thousand. I have the EOS Rebel Ti. Okay. And then the EOS Rebel XS. XS. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So the XS um, certainly looks like the cheaper of the two. Okay. It, it does have a little window in the back door you can see here for uh, looking at your film speed yep. number. Mine, mine has that too, yeah. Um, and I actually grabbed a roll of film here real quick out of my fridge, which I don't know if we talked about that, but certainly we must have, uh, that you can keep film in the fridge or the freezer so that it, it keeps long-term, keeps the chemicals from degrading. Also, I was reading that uh, film is susceptible to gamma radiation, which I don't know what throws off gamma radiation, but super old film can often have a, a hazy look because it's been partly exposed by gamma radiation. And it was saying that your fridge won't protect it from that. Um, you can see, if you look at the film here, the back side of it, where the silver halide crystals are. Okay, yep. The tail is just cut into it, so there's nothing special about it. It's, you know, it's not like a, a piece of special... Uh, film or anything that's just wasted it it looks like it's still light sensitive so potentially you could expose images on it um but if you look on the back here so this actual canister that the film winds up in not the plastic canister that it comes in but the actual film canister that it winds into that's light sealed uh i believe is it's got a like a sheet it's made of sheet metal okay which i think is supposed to help reduce the radiation that it can be exposed to okay because, you know, wherever you are, there's just background radiation. It's not dangerous or anything like that, but the film can still pick it up. Um, so just under the tail, you can see there are these white and black marks or silver and black marks. Yes, yep. And that is, my dad was telling me about this, is for um, more fancy cameras to be able to read what speed the film is. So if you have an automatic wow. film camera, no it can... Yep, so it's it's almost like a barcode that it can read and tell what the speed is. That's that's crazy. Um So yeah, um let's just look at these real quick because oh, okay. uh Wow. Oh, oh my goodness. I, I please can, I I got to talk right now. Okay, so yeah, this go. is this is so cool to me. So I just popped open. This is the Rebel 2000. Yeah, Rebel 2000. Um cheap. It feels like a cheap plastic weighs next to nothing <laughs> compared to the k1000 over here um but mm-hmm. i look looking at where you load the film it's got it's got little metal contacts that would touch yeah. the uh the canister so the canister would 
it, it's like a like a almost like a lock and key. Like it knows which of these are being pressed to form this pattern, which would indicate the ISO speed. That is so cool. Well, but I'm looking at the canister here, and I don't see anything for that to index off of. Well, it would make a metal contact. receives electrical signal. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I wonder if there's an electrical signal that it receives um, from the bare spots and the black spots. Maybe it conducts somehow. That that would be my guess. But it's odd because you can see this one black or the one silver spot is kind of in an L shape, and those contacts wouldn't make contact with it that way. So. Oh, you're right. I don't know. I'm curious uh, how that works. Yeah, I mean, I am just speculating here, but I, I just get really excited when I see these these cool, like, innovations that really aren't needed anymore today. It's just so neat. Yeah. I think we should try to keep this short because I think the episode's running long already, but okay, yep. one thing I wanted to note quickly, we talked earlier about how our film cameras here have a global shutter, which means they snap left to right or right to left, whatever it is, side to side horizontally if you look at our dslrs they're rolling shutters so they snap up and down you know horizontally if you look at this film camera the one that i have open here it's got a rolling shutter and i don't know why they did that if it's something to do with space or because hmm. the the curtains on our dslrs and on this film camera i've got open and let me open up the other one here Ooh. Oh, that one's got a roll of film in it. Do you know that? I did not know that. I didn't put it in there, so I certainly ain't going to waste the time redeveloping it. Um, yeah, it looks like it's half shot. Um, so this says um, C41, which I think was an option for in the Indie Film Labs uh, on their website. You could choose what kind of process it needed. Right, yeah. And you can see the uh, the pattern on the back here, the black and white pattern, the barcode pattern okay. looks different yeah i see that to the uh, uh the color film we have so that's very interesting very interesting indeed um okay so let's look at these yeah so this one also has a uh, rolling shutter very interesting um my more expensive one here actually has a little digital display on the back and I think it's just for digital settings on the camera. Okay, mine has a digital display up top. It's one of those. Mine has that as well. Like a black and or white. My, my cheaper one has calculator that. LCD screen. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. It's got a lot of the same settings that a digital camera would have. Yeah. So does yours have the uh, on the mode dial? Do you have those, um, like the AV and the TV and the full auto? I have all of those. Yeah, so let's see. It's got a thing. I think that's for rewinding. Um, ISO. And it's got a thing that looks like it's got a like a wireless trigger. Uh, like a wireless shutter release. Okay. Super top-notch camera. Yeah. Um, a depth, and then manual, AV, TV, and P. And then it's got L. I don't know what that is. It's got an auto setting, and it's got your portrait, landscape, micro, and sport settings. So all those automatic settings... <clears throat> um, I don't see a power button anywhere, but I'm pretty sure they're dead anyway. Um, yeah, and this other one, it's got that little digital display on back. And, um, looks like all the same settings on the settings wheel. And then it's got another little wheel here for a timer, burst mode, 
All that. Oh, this way it's got a built-in flash. Ooh. And the same button for closing the iris. So, yeah, all very interesting stuff. Probably never use either one of these because it kind of defeats the purpose for me. If I'm shooting film, I want to have complete manual control over it. That's kind of the point of it for me. Yep. So That's all I've got to say about these. You got anything else on yours? No, I think you pretty much covered everything. Really surprising how uh, much it looks like a DSLR just with film yeah. instead of a sensor. So we should, uh, yeah, we should take these bodies and build our own cameras with them. There you go, digital cameras. All right. Um, you wanted to talk about? Oh, actually, first I wanted to say this before I uh, forget. Um, taking film and making our own cameras would be fun. Have you mm. ever played around with a pinhole camera or, or made a pinhole camera? I think your brother did years and years ago. Yeah, so super long time ago, my brother made a pinhole camera. I think it was just like a day-long workshop or something. And uh, they, so they made, it was just a box with like a, um, just a very simple, it was like made of cardboard and taped together and painted black okay. and all that to, to keep out the light. And uh, just had a pinhole and then a slide, a piece of cardboard you would slide up to to open and close the shutter. Uh, and then mm. it had the film in there, which was kind of like the Polaroid. No, well, no, because it doesn't ex it doesn't uh, develop on the spot. But it's the kind of film that it's that you're exposing the light onto the the print, that kind of film. So it's mm. like. Okay. It's like photoreceptive paper, kind of. I don't know how else to describe this. So how did you develop it? Did you have to send it off somewhere? No, they did it that day. They they had the chemicals. It's like when you, hmm. in that second stage of the film development process, where you're projecting it onto the paper. It was kind of like that. Mm -hmm. So maybe it was just that paper. Oh, so I was under the impression this was just like a kit that he bought. So this was actual like workshop somewhere where there was professionals. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know how professional this was. This was, this was I was huh. really young then, and I, I mean, it was scratch built. It was just built out of like black cardboard and taped together. I'm, I think hmm. maybe maybe we still have it. I don't know. You should look. I, I kind of want to build a pinhole camera now too, but it seems like it'd be easier if you could get like the. I, I know they used to make larger film because mm. i think you'd want to project it onto a larger surface yeah the photos we have they were they're pretty small they're probably what um like a three by five maybe um mm. maybe even smaller than that i don't know um but yeah and the photos if i recall i have to go look at them but i recall that they were actually pretty clear uh for a mm. pinhole camera which is amazing to me because i have tried uh, the with the DSLR, we I think we've both tried the pinhole on the lens cap, where we take an old mm -hmm. lens cap and put a tiny hole in it uh, and try to take photos yeah. that way. And I, mine were always pretty well, blurry. I just I taped a piece of foil over the top of where the lens would go, and I put a pinhole in that. Okay. So I wonder if you were trying to drill through the plastic, if that was too thick, maybe. Um, I got reasonably clear photos. I mean, clearer than I thought I was going to get with mm. uh, with a pinhole rather than a lens. So 
maybe that's something we should toy with someday when we actually get good at film, or maybe we can buy special film just for for doing that. And I wonder if we could. Uh, I wonder if there's some special process to Polaroid photos or how that works. You know, maybe we could just get a stack of Polaroid film and put that in a pinhole camera so we can get instant results and see what we're doing. Polaroids on next episode of Enthusiastic Winter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you wanted to talk about special occasions that you were going to use film for. Yeah, so I feel like I have to make a decision before I start using this. I need to decide when I'm going to use this camera for photos as mm-hmm. opposed to my digital cameras because I'm not getting rid of my digital cameras and mm-hmm. you know the film is expensive You're not completely retooling no not completely and so you know with the expensive film and the the uh, you know how I won't be just clicking away taking photos all the time I need to figure out uh, you know what I'm gonna use this for so it's, yeah it's interesting um, I was thinking that any photo I take with this film camera, I cannot take a digital photo of that same thing because otherwise it would completely nullify mm. having a film. I cannot take a digital yeah. photo of whatever I choose to take photos of this with. Hmm. That's a that's a good restraint to put on yourself. I think I'm going to take it with because... Whenever I'm places, I don't usually take photos of people, the people that I'm with. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, I don't remember who I was there with. I just know I have pretty photos of whatever the thing is. But I have no memories of the people I was hanging out with. Like, uh, we went to the gardens in uh, the domes in Milwaukee, boy, a year or two ago now. And my friends that were with were taking photos of us as a group. And I was so glad because I only had photos of plants. And it was just nice to have those photos as memories. Yeah. Um, so I think I think that's what I'm going to do is start when there's gatherings and stuff like that, take photos of people that I'm with and special memories. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty much right there with you. I know for me in the past, I when I take my camera places, I'm always taking photos of the things that we're, we're seeing, like whether we are going to like a botanical mm-hmm. garden or whether we're out on vacation. And I mean, we do have photos of us out on vacation. Unfortunately, not as many as I would like. That's just something that we don't, you know, it's hard because you have to ask someone to take your photo if you all want to be in it and like, uh-huh. you know. Um, Can you imagine trusting a stranger with your film camera, trusting them to get the focus right? The funny thing is I would have to have to have my family get together and then go over, make sure I get the exposure right, the focus dialed in, and then be able mm-hmm. to hand it off. <laughs> Can you imagine mm-hmm. people that you know, aren't familiar with film, be like, what are you doing? Can, can I just take your photo? <laughs> and then even still, they'd have to get the focus right because, if you know, they're going to be a couple inches off from wherever you were. Yeah, yeah, depending on, you know, how far back they are and all. But, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, so I think I'm right there with you. I'm going to have to, or I will choose to reserve my film photos for recording I don't want to say recording my life, but like recording the people in my life and the the things that I do, trying to record the memories. Um, basically, you know, none of the the pretty photos that I take uh, of of just the things. So, yeah, and I'm gonna have to try to limit it, limit how many I take, because you know, even though it's film, I want to make sure I don't get too shutter happy, and mm-hmm. and yeah, so. 
like I said at the start, I'm not going to be taking digital photos when I take film photos. So it's going to be so, really interesting. Another thing I, I kind of wanted to touch on is, you know, we have all of our photos stored digitally on our computers, all of our previous photos. Are you going to start a, like, photo album of your memories for each year and start, like, scrapbooking? Dude, I feel like an old grandma if I'm going to start scrapbooking. I know, <laughs> me too. But, you know, that's kind of the best, just sitting down and looking through old photos. Um, it is. I need to, I need to go look through our old family photo albums. I have a plan someday um, to sit down with my grandma with uh, her old photo albums because she's just got super thick photo albums from her past relatives and our families and stuff. So I want to sit down with her and just record her telling me the stories of all the photos uh, because they'll be lost yeah. whenever she passes away. Oh, so That's so sad to think about. I just got to gotta get all my equipment together because I need a good reliable camera that's going to keep recording because of course my DSLR only records for you know what 12 to 15 minutes before it re you know or before it stops and I have to restart it yeah and uh so I'm thinking maybe I'll just do it with GoPros when I'm having a problem with one of my GoPros so I need to get on it soon but uh that's something that's on my to-do list for this summer that's a really neat idea that's really cool yeah and yeah oh so along those lines of I think it would be fun to print a lot of my digital photos, but I don't know that there's really any I couldn't live without because most of them are just scenery and, and neat things. They're not memories of people. So the memories of people I think I would want to print or order prints of. Because I'm just thinking, you know, we have in our future, hopefully we're going to be recording an episode about uh, EMPs, electromagnetic pulse yeah. uh, bombs. Mm -hmm. And... If one of those went off, it would just fry all of our electronics and we'd lose everything we have stored digitally. Or even, uh, I think it's called a Carrington event, um, where it's it's just a uh, coronal mass ejection where the sun spits out a bunch of stuff at yeah. us, <laughs> which is basically electromagnetic radiation and could also fry stuff. Um, the last one I think that we experienced, well, let's see, I think there was one in part of the world not terribly long ago, but I think there was one that affected most of the Earth back in 1859, yeah. and they say there's about one every 100 years or something like that. So we're, we're due. Well, one every one to 200 years. Yeah. So we are about due for one. Um, it's Let me tell you, it's a good thing. We've got our film cameras now. Load up on film. We'll be able to take photos. Even well, see, the thing is, though, fine. nuclear bombs are, are produce electromagnetic radiation so if a nuke goes off the radiation could completely fry the film that's in there it might just overexpose everything and we'll lose all the photos that are in it so we'll have to make sure we have prints made because that would be the only thing that would survive i think man that's so sad also we need to i'm also thinking we need to store our someday film. if i sorry go ahead yeah, we'll have to we'll have to make like special lead lined boxes to keep our film <laughs> exactly. in exactly lead lined refrigerators. Yep. In the the newest Indiana Jones movie, uh, which I didn't think very highly of, but uh, they're doing nuclear tests, and he ends up locking himself in a lead lined refrigerator, and that's how he survives. And it's less like, wait, why would anybody have a lead lined refrigerator? There's a, there's a new one, isn't isn't yeah, he like he, ancient? 
at this point. Yeah, he's like a thousand years old. Um, I, when I say new, I mean like within the last ten years. Oh, okay. Uh, the Crystal Skull, it's called. It's about aliens. Okay. Not very good. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it. Um, but anyway, he locks himself in a uh, lead-lined refrigerator. So that's nice. what we'll have to get to keep our film safe. Those people were yeah, obviously right. photographers. Yeah. I'm thinking uh, if I ever have children, I think I'm going to take <coughs> take a lot of film photos or at least make sure to get prints made often so I don't lose those if something happens. Mm-hmm. And I'm also thinking like video. Mm. You know, I don't know if your family ever did like home video stuff. We used to have a VHS recorder and uh, that... I think that went on, I think about when I was 12 was when the batteries finally died and we couldn't find new batteries. So okay. there's like my life up till I'm 12 and then my little brother's life, yeah, he'd be about two at that point. So there's almost nothing of him recorded. But I'm just thinking, how do you save video in a format that is not going to be affected Well, by an EMP or um, radiation? Uh, from uh, Nuke. I feel like the radiation is probably the main <coughs> concern because... Well, and that that would mostly be for unexposed film. Oh, yeah. So would exposed film not be harmed? Yeah, I don't think it would because it's not light sensitive anymore. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, like... So we have... You were asking about the home videos. Yeah, we have... We actually have, like, six volumes of... Uh, tapes they're i guess they're vhs tapes um that are okay it's it, funny I've, I've never seen them actually they say like spencer family home videos on them or something and i honestly don't know <clears throat> i don't really know anything about them i don't know who's who's on those tapes i don't know how far back they go i don't know when they start i don't know when they ended i don't know if yeah. they if they have even me on them at all like when i was a baby or something um yeah so <laughs> i i don't know i probably we probably won't watch those for like 30 years or something and just like whip them out one time at like some massive family reunion or something but uh we have those as tapes so i assume mm-hmm. they'll survive you know they're not they're they're in a a like a physical format, basically. Yeah. I don't know because the tape is sensitive to magnets. So if you went and wiped a magnet over the tape, it would probably erase what's on them. I've never tried it, but that's how those get recorded. And so if you get electromagnetic radiation, I wonder if that would fry those. Man, we're, You should probably check yeah, these out I should probably before, should. <laughs> before the world ends. Oh, man. Well, tune in next week and find out how the world's going to end. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, anything else we should talk about related to film? I'm excited to get shooting. I think it's going to be Me a too. bunch of fun. I don't have anything else to add, though. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to look up a little bit more about how to maybe clean up the uh, camera inside a little bit more so that the mirror doesn't stick up. Mm-hmm. And then I think I'm going to load it. Um, I think we've discussed before that I volunteered at summer camp, and I think I'm going to take my first roll there mm-hmm. and just shoot 
a bunch of test photos, different lighting situations, action, things like that, and use that as my learning role. Oh, you know what? And one. Yeah, okay, sorry. Go ahead, finish, finish your thought. And I, I was just going to say, once I get that developed, then my next two roles that I have, I'm going to try to use throughout the summer. We should probably also put a rule on ourselves that we need to take a certain amount of photos so we don't just load the film and then it just sits <laughs> there forever. We should try to actually get it out once a month or something like that. Well, yeah, I'm excited. I'm very excited. Um, You know what? I was trying to wrap up, mm-hmm. but... You know how this always goes when I try to wrap stuff up. I forgot. I was just going to run through real quickly some of the accessories that uh, Ooh. came with my mother's camera. Accessories. She's got a... You see this uh, very... I don't know if it's 80s or 90s gray fake leather bag. Okay. <laughs> um, it's uh, well-traveled. It's got some stains and stuff on it. Mm. Um, here's the tiny little flash that came with it. Okay. Um... On the back here, it's got a little chart that shows you what settings to use based on your ASA and distance and stuff like that. Wow. Um, it also came with a 200 millimeter uh, telephoto lens, and that is a zoom lens, because the other one's just a prime lens. What is the range? And uh, it's, uh, I think, 80. Yeah, 80 to 200. Okay. And it's kind of neat because you can turn it left and right for focus, but then to to zoom in and out, you actually pull it in and out. Oh, how like weird. This. Yeah, and it's got some cool markings on it for what's in focus and what's not. I don't know how to use them. I should look at that. Um, the base of it is kind of loose. You can see it's kind of wobbly here. Ooh. So I'm going to have to try to take it apart and see if I can secure that better. Because I don't see any screws that I can tighten, so I have to figure out what's going on there. Um, but that's got uh, f4.5 to f22, very similar to our digital cameras. Um, so then I've got the, I think it's a 28 millimeter lens, and I also have a, a 50 millimeter. Yeah, here's a 50, and those are both prime lenses. They they just have focus and uh, aperture control. They don't zoom. Mm-hmm. That's just a nice short lens. I like that. Nice. Um, Oh, filters. We never talked about filters because we never used them with our digital cameras because we figured we could just adjust them in post if we wanted to. Um, My mother had a ton of filters here. Wow, really? Yeah. There's uh, red and blue. Oh, like blood filters? What? Yeah, for putting a tint on your film now what i wondered about is if you put a tint on your film and then you send it in you know they adjust some of the colors when they're developing them so what happens if they just adjust the creative filter color out of it interesting that's that is a good point it's a thing people used to do i mean they used to use filters so i I don't know apparently it works if you put a filter on it so i actually guess that one's a little more orange that one's red that one's blue this one is clear so let me see what that even says it's for oh it says haze but and so i would assume that's more for soft focus but it looks totally clear to me so i don't know if that's there is the old trick of putting vaseline on the lens uh to give it that soft focus look or like breathing on it to put a little steam on the lens Mm -hmm. so i don't know if that's this is supposed to be like a special filter just for that i don't know 
like so you don't have to get it on your actual lens just speculating here uh, it also came with this nice little cleaner that uh, you can squeeze to puff air and oh, it's got I some little bristles on there for cleaning dust off of stuff uh, some lens cleaning cloths uh, disposable type Okay. Uh, there's a light blue filter Here's a yellow filter, and my mom was actually telling me that, uh, you know, Ansel Adams, who used to do a lot of uh, black and white photography of landscapes and stuff, like especially like Yosemite. Yeah. Uh, she was telling me that he used to use yellow filters to get a darker sky. So I was oh, thinking about that. Colored filters on black and white film? Yeah. Wow. Uh, and so I'm thinking, if it's a yellow filter, it's going to cut out uh, everything except yellow light. So potentially you will have then a darker image because you're only letting that one wavelength through. But I'm wondering if it then allows things like um, greenery and maybe rocks to show up brighter in the image because they would have more yellow light bouncing off of them than, for example, the sky. Yeah. Don't know. Completely speculation on my part at this point. Um. This here is really cool. It's called a star filter. Oh, nice. And it's got a bunch of tiny little wires running through yep. it. Um, and it creates the star point effect that uh, you and I have talked about, but I don't know if we discussed it on the podcast before. Um, do you remember how that works? Yeah, so it basically, if there's any uh, lines for light to kind of reflect and run along, they'll follow that. And so if you're looking through something... Um, or even like a screen door, um, you can kind of see mm -hmm. it on. Um, the the light will appear to to uh, have spikes going off in the directions that those lines, uh, like for example the screen, uh, would be following. So, in when you're taking photos of stars, it can be a kind of a neat creative effect, and it it really is a thing. Like with uh, telescopes, there are some telescopes that have that that cross brace for the mirror uh, where, where that originated from was a real you know thing it wasn't added creatively but that filter does it creatively for you yeah so originally it kind of came from just obstructions in the telescopes i guess yeah. the bracing mm -hmm. cross bracing would interfere with the image yeah even though the bracing was out of focus it would still affect the way the light uh interacted with it mm -hmm. um so yeah this is kind of looks like those like security glass or whatever sometimes you'll see on secure doors or exterior doors or like fire escape doors where it says like wires in the glass right. that's kind of what this looks like but on a much smaller scale so i'm interested to try using that at some point yeah that's cool yeah so now we can wrap up do you have anything else you, you wanted to add i'm done all right well, this has been a very fun episode. I'm glad that we could talk about film. This is why I wanted to start the podcast, for cool stuff like this that we're learning that we can now look back on this episode and think, huh, that's back when we didn't know anything <laughs> about that thing. And it's a chance for us to get together and compare our notes on stuff. So You might say we're going back to a ton our of fun. on this one. We are very much so. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening, as always. Send us an email at enthusiasticwitter at gmail.com. There you go. We're desperate for emails. That's all I got. Check back with us next time for more, I'm sure, absolutely fascinating, <laughs> well-researched content. Bye. Bye.